Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 5th. It is five minutes after 10. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall is on paternity leave and filling in. We have Tony Kinnett. You can find him on Twitter at The Tonus. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me at Casey Daniels 317. Of course, you can find us both right now on YouTube. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. That's also how you can go back and hear old episodes. You know, that's actually searched so much on YouTube that it autofills from an incognito mode at this point. Seriously, if you don't have a YouTube account, yeah, it'll autofill. If you search Kendall, it'll go, it'll autofill to Kendall. And Casey WIBC. I like that. Okay, so Donald Trump, he might have revolutionized the small dollar amount structure in his 2016 campaign, right? Uh, but now Democrats are dominating this. We're talking about small individual, not the big PACs, not the big donor. We're talking about the small dollar amount person and Donald Trump was very good at that in 2016 he got a lot of individuals to give a little bit of money and eventually it all adds up right Mm -hmm. Uh, when now Democrats are stealing that playbook and they pulled in an estimated 2.5 billion dollars more than the GOP since 2020 now this is an NBC News poll and Another thing that they're doing is they have three times as many unique donors. So they're saying that once somebody gives once, they're more likely to give again. So the goal here is to get Kevin to donate five, ten bucks once, because once we get Kevin to donate five or ten dollars one time, he's going to do it over and it becomes habitual. I'm going to let you guys in on a little bit of an inside trader secret about kind of the, the inside political world. The yeah. donor structure for nonprofits and also political organizations mm-hmm. is not only down to a science, it is downright scary. So when I ran Chalkboard Review, I had to manage development as well, which I hated. And I talked to people from all different kinds of organizations who literally have what you just talked about, getting someone in on a low level, mm-hmm. hitting them at the right time with the right kind of very carefully curated media to get them to donate repeatedly. You're starting to see organizations really lean in on the subscription model service. Give this much to us a month. You say, yeah, well, it's only, you know, two, three dollars a month. And that adds up and you end up giving more. And it's a very interesting thing we learned from individuals who tithe at churches. If you give part of your money to a church, you are 57 percent more likely, according to a Gallup poll in 2009, to actually spend more time at the church. If you give money to something, you are going to be more invested in it, which means more word of mouth, Mm -hmm. more persuading people to get in on the train. That is how kind of a mass market strategy for donations works. And the Democrats are figuring this out. Here's the problem. You still have a lot of establishment GOP who sit in their little county councils and their GOPs all over the state, meetings of which I have sat in, in which they say, oh, we got to get a lot of people out this weekend and knock on some doors and we got to get out there and we got to, you know, drive the Lincoln Day fundraiser dinner. And they aren't doing as much as they used to do. Can they still be effective? Absolutely. But how a campaign raises money is changing drastically. Yeah. Drastically. 
Guess what? The old base that did all the old donor stuff, they're dying. They are. Well, how are Democrats doing this? Well, because I mean, they like picked up steam quickly on this. So the cool thing is that why economics tends to drive people out to the polls more in a general election, culture drives people to the polls more in primary and for donations. People are more likely to donate for cultural reasons than they are to donate for economic reasons. By the way, this is why Haley and Pence and a lot of the other Republican candidates are sucking up a storm right now when it comes to donations. They have a few corporate donors, but they don't really have much else. Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis both have some corporate donors. Mm -hmm. They have some establishment packs and donors. They have a lot. Both of them have a heaping ton of money between the two campaigns. And they're actually going, they're, they're sliding past one another very regularly in how much money they've raised because DeSantis gets out there and he says, you know what? Naked men shouldn't be in front of your kids. And the average Republican goes, I'll donate to that. Mm-hmm. And then Trump gets out there and says, they're coming after me. They're going to throw me in prison. I'm the only thing in the way between them and you. And someone's like, yeah, that's true. I'm yep. going to donate to that. Culture drives donations. It is the new model that is successful. So when the Democrats do the same thing, when they get out there and they fear monger with, they're taking away your rights. They're going to lock all the women up in prison as baby machines. They scare a lot of suburban women, which is, if you look at this NBC poll, that's where the, the biggest donor drive is coming from, is suburban women and, and younger women in the 18 to 24 demo. What would drive someone to donate even a small amount to somebody like Pence or Christie or Nikki Haley or from, Vivek? Because from, what, from what age range? Uh, oh, Okay. Because well, it, it changes. Vivek is likely going to be a culture war point, and it's likely it's going, to going to be younger. kind of a younger neocon sure. who thinks that diversity matters in, in a race But if you're, if you're aware at all, you know that they're not polling high. So isn't that you're just, let me just throw my money in the fireplace. So that is kind of the interesting thing here, is that we're, we're actually starting to see kind of a, a national media scale of donations, kind of like the stock market, where public opinion tends to change what donations an individual receives. So in the 1980s and the 1990s, it was more likely that campaigns would receive more donations, regardless of polls, as time went on. Whereas now we start to see kind of the way that primary votes go. Whoever's getting the most attention is going to get the most money, which, sure. by the way, that's the Matthew principle, you know, to whom everything is given more will or to whom everything, everything someone has more will be given to whom uh, have nothing. Everything will be taken away. And that's really what we're seeing. It's the most free market principle played out when you connect everything via the Internet. Okay, so the Federal Elections Commission says that Democrats Act Blue pulled in $6.5 billion between 2020 and 22, and Republicans, the Win Red, they only did $4 billion in the same time frame. So $2.5 billion more, that's a lot of money, and that can make a big difference in a lot of different elections. It absolutely does. It is still the main idea is that money does almost more than anything to Mm -hmm. drive the likelihood of an election outcome. Now, are there upsets? Absolutely. Do things change? Absolutely. However, money is still the driving factor, especially when it comes to advertisement and name recognition. So the problem with the GOP has right now is that they cannot unify around like a singular donation strategy because the GOP has no central identity right now. There's, there's nothing in common between Governor Holcomb and Governor DeSantis. There is nothing in common. Well, you said a mouthful there. Really, though. I mean, think about it. <laughs> yeah. There's, depending on the district you're in, GOP mm-hmm. can mean something wildly different. And this is the negative part of connecting everyone within a few moments for each other. The California GOP and, uh, let's say, the Delaware GOP are very different from the Indiana GOP. The Indiana GOP doesn't get out and fight. 
They don't have to. The California GOP and the Delaware GOP, they, they will fight tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see this in, in purple states. Forget about it. The GOPs in purple states are such powerhouses compared to uh, everything. I mean, you're talking about staffing, campaign funds, allocation, market research, oppo research, all the things that go into a political group. Laws passed. Purple states have better law pass percentages when they're in power than Republican states do, like strongholds like Indiana. This is why everyone's mad at Indiana right now. The reason that the Indiana GOP doesn't care about property taxes or the gas tax, because they don't have to. They don't need to. What what are you going to do? Like vote them out? They also they pick 90 percent of who goes into the primaries. Yeah. And then they throw hissy fits whenever you try to tell them to get involved, like Mario Maslamini and and. uh, Hamilton County, the current mayoral candidate for Carmel, Sue, whatever her name is, is a train wreck. That could have been prevented, but the, the Hamilton County GOP largely sat on their hands. Well, there you go. I mean, I, you know, that that's Indiana for you. Complacency has consequences. Okay, so Ron DeSantis, he was in New Hampshire over the weekend. It rained, but he carried on. He was out there with Casey DeSantis, and I believe one of the, one of the children were there. Mike Pence, of course, was in... Iowa, oh, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, Donald Trump, he was at home at his New Jersey golf course. Okay, so they fanned out across the country, right? Uh, trying to get some some votes. They were all marching in the parades except for Trump. Uh, he stayed at his uh, Bedminster Resort. And uh, Pence, he, what is he? he? He's like really counting on Iowa's evangelical Christian conservative GOP caucus. Which is funny because I know a lot of the evangelical Christian caucus out in Iowa because they were not in Iowa up until that point over the last week. They were actually in Philadelphia at the Moms for Liberty conference. I had the uh, distinct pleasure of watching Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, and DeSantis from 20 feet away. Mm-hmm. I was at the frontmost table. I was taking a lot of shots, writing a lot of stories. And what I saw were candidates desperately trying to take what has become the new juggernaut of the evangelicals. Evangelicals are no longer like a vague voting block. They are now starting to file into very specific camps. And the parental rights camp is the largest of those camps. It is the reason education is one of the top 10 issues, whereas before it was about 19 or 20 in the country. Now, candidates like Donald Trump and candidates like even down to Nikki Haley, who like you can always tell where the political weather vane is blowing because that's what she's saying that day. Her last comment was, if you guys are the standard for domestic terrorism, then I'm a mom for liberty. And I was like, oh, my God, like just reading the, the, off the cue cards. Right. I mean, it was a very but it was a very calculated political statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Mike Pence has no idea. He has no idea that that's where he should have been this weekend. So genuinely, like if you really want to win the evangelical votes, you have to get on the parents' rights train. Yeah, you do. That's where it is. It's nowhere else right now. Evangelicals right now care about pro-life issues and they care about the LGBTQ nightmare. Those are the two cultural issues that bother them. The rest of the stuff is economic. It depends on what part of the country and if you want to tie the border into the top three. So even though he has a very, very narrow lane that he is trying to drive that car down, it's not even he's not even in on the right street is what you're saying. I mean, like he's spending all of this time in Iowa thinking that that's going to do it for him. This is what happens when you hire political science majors right out of college to be your staffers. I don't have a political science major. Uh, I don't. I spent my time on the ground working in Indiana. I didn't spend my time sucking up to people that went to Ivy League schools. So shocker, I happen to know where things are going a lot better than the goobers that Mike Pence hired from insert college name here. Okay, I don't know if you've heard about this, this gambling uh, website. So this is, where's this from? It's from, it's in New Zealand. This thing started in 2014. It started out as a research project, but in in 
New Zealand, they're allowing gamblers to bet on the outcome of elections and other political events. Like real money, put real money down. And the 24 U.S. presidential race is really hot on this gambling. It's called Predict It. Which is amazing because genuinely two or three of the leading candidates could be like dead from natural causes by the time the election rolls around. Well, that's true. But here's the deal. DeSantis's numbers are dropping three cents. Mm. On the gambling app. You know who's picking up? Picked up a penny. Somebody who's not even running yet. Yeah, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom. Right. There's no reason for him to run until until Joe Biden drops dead. I am of the firm opinion, and I'm I'm not I believe me, if I if it went my way, I would have not had Joe Biden run. I would have had him retire alone because he's clearly elderly and is currently going through elder abuse. Despite the fact that I don't like him, I think he's a terrible person. Right, it's happening right now. His wife is a horrible woman because she's like keeping him propped up like a ventriloquist puppet in office. Mm-hmm. I do not think he makes it to 2024. Is, there, is, is it her that's doing it or is it the Democrat Party? Well, I'm, I'm saying that at this point, it is in the, we're currently getting a, a front row seat to how good the best money in medicine in the United States can do to keep an individual alive. The pharmaceutical I mean, really, golden age. We're, we're, we talked between about Between George Soros yeah. And and President Biden, we are seeing the best efforts to keep them alive as long as possible. And what we're seeing here is that it's starting to fail miserably. President uh, Biden has recently started CPAP, which is a very bad sign at his age for someone to start CPAP at that age. You've seen the lines. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he makes it. The moment that he doesn't make it and you know, God forbid that kind of situation comes forward, not wishing death on anybody. I do see Gavin Newsom stepping up and being a very popular candidate for the radical progressives. As for the independents in this country, no way. It's 18 minutes after 10. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. minutes after 10 is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall on paternity leave and filling in. We have Tony Kinnett joining us today. Super smart Tony Kinnett. You can find him on Twitter at the Tonus. Okay, so United Airlines, they distributed 30,000 miles to travelers whose flights were canceled or delayed due to bad weather, the air traffic, the gridlock. You just flew recently. How was it? Was it fun? Uh, I I fly American (laughs) Airlines, and it's actually not terrible. I I find going places that it's packed, and then Mm -hmm. coming back to Indianapolis, the plane's empty. Uh, yeah. which a lot of people would say that's a bad sign. I think it's awesome because then I can scoot to the front of the plane for less money. All right, okay, so you're flying American out of Indy. Do you have a connector for that to uh, go to D.C.? Uh, no, normally I don't. I can, uh, but I try to plan uh, enough in advance that I don't have to go to Charlotte first, which everyone else loves Charlotte. I hate Charlotte Airport. I was just talking about that last night with the dude. I was like, okay, so what, if you're going to fly from Indy to D.C., you probably got to connect in Charlotte or oh, yeah. Atlanta. It's not Charlotte Douglas. It's or, Charlotte DeLaglas. It's yeah. horrible. Uh, that it just seems so crazy. But I guess I get it that they're trying to appease their customers. They're trying to give them these, um, you know, the miles that they can turn in. But do you really want more miles from a company that just left you in the proverbial wind? You know, I'm going to be honest here. I, I say that let's say that you're hired to a company and you're hired. Let's say you or I were hired to Anheuser-Busch tomorrow and you and I were put in charge of their marketing team, what would you do? The very first thing I would do is, first of all, I would issue an apology for the garbage that I did. I would own it directly. Three-step process. Number two. Admit mistake, apologize, take corrective action. Yeah, corrective action. Immediately, I would start doing everything I could to get that customer base back. I don't see a problem with United doing this. Good for them. Now, I hope that they're real miles because, 
again, like my American Airlines reward miles aren't actually miles I can fly on a plane. Are they all blackout dates? Like you can use them except for this date, this date, this date, this date, and this date. I haven't actually looked at it that much. Uh, well, my wife might be joining me for a conference here pretty soon. Uh, so we're, we're going to find out just how that process How good applies. those miles are. Yeah, well, we'll find out. But if United is actually applying real honest-to-God miles, trips, and experiences for customers they want back, yeah, that's what you do. You make amends. And hopefully, uh, you know, God willing, United is actually going to do something to be a better airline. And I want that, by the way, because I want competition between airlines to make the others better. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Whether I get it's another thing entirely. Okay, so Hillary Clinton was talking uh, the other day, and uh, I wanted to play this audio because she says that if Trump were to win, it would be the end of democracy. What would happen if Trump won, first of all, in Ukraine? What would happen to the Ukraine situation? Look, if Trump wins, which I do not believe will happen, let me just quickly say that, if in some scenario that were to happen, um, it would be the end of democracy in the United States. It would be the end of Ukraine. It would become a, you know, we, he will pull us out of NATO if he wins again. Uh, just like he pulled us out of the Iran deal, he pulled us out of the Paris Accords, he will pull us out of NATO. Again, they're trying to connect uh, the United States and Ukraine well, as, as one big happy country, although we're not. Um, and, and she's doing this on 4th of July, which I thought was really interesting. Like, she's got nothing better to do. Well, I mean, of course, she has nothing better to do. I mean, she's some kind of associate professor ad nauseum uh, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about Hillary Clinton here is that whenever she says something isn't going to happen, it's going to happen. So congratulations to former President Donald John Trump for winning the 2024 <laughs> presidential election. Right. Because, again, the last time Hillary Clinton's like, Donald Trump will never be president. The dude was sworn in like weeks later. Uh-huh. So that stuff said... No, it's not the end of democracy, but we've heard this before, haven't we? How many times have we heard that if a Republican wins, it's the end of democracy? You know, if we do this, that, you know, if net neutrality doesn't pass, it's going to be the end of the Internet. If we don't do this, there's going to be murder hornets swimming across the seas. If we don't wear masks, the entire country is going to put its if feet up through the daisies. you don't get vaccinated, you're going to kill grandma. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there were teachers that I worked with at Knightstown whose school board members were saying that stuff about them. And again, at this point, what's the impact of that statement? Like, who's actually listening to Hillary Clinton? Oh, Hillary Clinton said it. Now Now, it's real. I was thinking thinking about voting for Trump, but Hillary said it'll be the end of democracy. So I'm going to change my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I was Uh, waiting for her to chime in. and, And how much influence does she have anymore? Any? Well, I mean, she ha- again, she's she's the Democrats' Trump. She, she just is. So there's a, there's a base of suburban women who are always going to listen to what Hillary Clinton says. But past that... Still, you think so? Uh, oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, again, you I, I see this from my Indianapolis trolls all the time. You know, when you see Mary Jensen or Rhonda Eldridge get on Twitter and start spamming a bunch of angry comments, you can, you know, be rest assured that they've probably simped after Hillary Clinton in the last few days. That's how we run around here. Well, last week, the Supreme Court, they knocked down the Biden student loan transfer. Okay, so this rep from California, she was asked if Biden gave Americans false hope on the on the campaign trail about student debt relief. And uh, here's what she had to say. I believe he did what the public needed. Mm. The public was calling for student debt relief. And we heard this over and over again. And um, we saw that uh, with the uh, moratorium on payments, uh, there was tremendous relief among students. And, and, you know, it was for the last few years during COVID. So I think it was a natural outgrowth of that to have a student debt relief. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. You've got uh, people like Nancy Pelosi even saying that Biden can't do this. So, yeah, it sounds to me like it was a bit of a, a false promise that he even knew he wasn't going to be able to do. I mean, this is that's campaign promises, Pandering. though, by the way. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone does this, though. So I like that everyone's kind of dunking on Biden for this. And this is a moment when I'll kind of slap back at the right a little bit because the right does this, too. We do. Biden campaigned on something that he knew everyone would get excited about, which was student loans. It tricked a lot of Gen Z and late term millennials like yours truly into voting for President Biden. Thank God I did not vote for that, you know horrible train wreck of an individual. I will point out, though, that over the weekend, I did hear President Trump promising a lot of things to the Moms for Liberty crowd, including that he would he would make it so that principals were directly elected by parents at their schools, which is not something that he could do even if he had ultimate executive order. There's there's no way that you can promise that. But politicians have been promising things like that to their people for ages. Well, Trump promised he was going to build a wall, didn't finish it. I mean, he promised he was going to drain the swamp. He didn't do it. And the arguments can be say that he made it worse. But again, every single political candidate, I don't hold those things against Trump as much. Like, I really don't hold the student debt thing against Biden. Who I do hold accountable for that is the idiots who voted him in. If you're stupid enough to believe, if you're stupid enough to believe that a politician is going to wave a magic wand and fix things for you, you don't deserve the vote. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Okay. You wanted to talk about this article. Um, Okay. So the Supreme Court, they've been on a roll, right? Striking down affirmative action. Also, the student loan transfer that Uh we were just talking about. Uh, But this goober with his op-ed, he's really mad. He was saying, so an elected and Democratic-controlled Congress can write and pass a progressive law, but an unelected and very conservative Supreme Court can just rewrite it. These are neutral judges. These are politicians in robes. Okay, so the two, two things here that need to be made very, very clear. The Supreme Court is a check on the presidential and congressional authority. That's all it is. And by the way, when you have uh, conservative Congresses, the Supreme Court has often ruled against them. There have been a lot of cases, in fact, in which the Supreme Court has ruled in 9-0 rulings this term. And as well, the last term, this is it's very rare for things to kind of come down on party lines, but it is almost always a check on unconstitutional behavior. And to pretend that the Supreme Court is super evil just because you don't like them, you didn't pay attention in civics class. Courts are a check against legislative overreach. Do they always do things perfectly? Absolutely not. Is our court system perfect? Heck no, it's not perfect at all. I mean, you've got, you know, Katanji Brown Jackson getting up there and saying lived experiences and in her interpretation of the Constitution. Lived experiences is, has nothing to do with legal proceedings or writing or the ruling of law in any way, shape or form. Yet she's doing it. They're politicians in robes. Yeah, they're government officials. Every person is political. This is the silliest thing I've ever heard. Everyone on this planet has a bias. And that bias is exacted every single time you do anything. There's no such thing as impartiality. You're a flawed human. That is what you are. You are partial. And so for someone to get up and say, well, hey, they're they're biased. Yeah. I, I would be really concerned if, if they, they were, weren't. If, like, if they, oh, I'm, I'm very they, unbiased. Okay, what are you hiding? Because, that's why they're there, because they do have an opinion. Yeah, and the opinion just happens yeah. to be one that understands and interprets the Constitution in a way that the ruling power put them into place to be a check for. That's Tony Kennett. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. 
317-684-8444. That is the phone number for your voicemails. If you'd like to contribute questions, comments, smart remarks, or whatever else is on your mind, that mailbox was full today. Yes, it was. I got to spend some more time in there and, and get some more. You go through more of them because <laughs> I didn't give myself enough time to get. It was like 80% yeah. full. And, and that I was actually like, oh told gosh. you. It actually gave you recommended actions. Like, you need to delete messages now. You need to go through this. All right, already. I had the day off yesterday. <laughs> I love it. I go to get the voicemails and I get yelled at. Okay, so we do have some calls to get through. And uh, this first one, I believe somebody is talking about Mike Pence. But uh, it's just nonsense, you know. And then Biden keeps pushing more money and more money. And then you got some other people. Even Pence, you know, it was talking about giving more money or whatever and support and all that. I mean, he didn't do what he was supposed to do when he was here as a governor, you know, and I'm still not happy with him for that, you know. And now he's wasting people's donations because he's not going to win, you know. So he's just wasting people's money. And I hope, I wish people wouldn't give to people like him or Christie or whatever. Okay, so he was, he was talking about Ukraine, right? First of all, how we just spent another five hundred million dollars uh, over there, and then he switched to even how Mike Pence is on the military-industrial complex train, and he's saying he wishes people weren't donating to Mike Pence's campaign because he's not going to win, so it's a waste of money. So this is a really interesting thing that I've had a lot of conversations with more neoconservatives who are in support of our giving a lot of money and time to the war in Ukraine. And this is the question that I have for them. So do you believe that Russia is a threat in and of itself to the United States? Uh, Because if you do, then I would question your actually taking a, a look at what they can and cannot effectively do as far as harm to the United States. If you're saying that any country that is a nuclear power because that's the only thing that they respond with. They say, well, Russia's a nuclear power. If they take Ukraine, they can do things with nuclear missiles. Okay, are we going to treat every single nuclear power on Earth as though every time they get in a foreign conflict, we personally have to foot the bill rebuffing that? Because number one, that's not tenable. Number two, we're not getting anything out of it. When we went to wars with other countries in the 19th century, we kind of dictated how things went in that country later on. And we're not getting a part of Ukraine for the American empire. We're not. So what what stake do I have? If it's just fighting for other people's freedom... For some Americans, that's not enough. That's not enough. That's okay. not. They have to feed their families. Well, but you, exactly. And you're being told, well, you're fighting for democracy then. We're sending your money there so that they can have democracy. So then, but when, in fact, they are right. not having democracy. But, but the response that, that also is counters that very well is, so that every dollar is accountable then, yeah? So then I should be able to see where the dollars go. You know, if I again, if I'm giving to a church, let's say for a missionary and I believe in what that missionary is doing, I want that missionary to tell me exactly how that money is being spent so I can determine if it is being spent well. The same if I donate to a school or I donate to any action or cause that I believe in. I want to know that my money went somewhere good. It wasn't a waste. Mm-hmm. And the, literally, we're, we're just losing money into Ukraine. And, and all of the Republicans that, that support Ukraine can't answer that. Well, you got what? a big thank you I, note from Zelensky. It, you got so, a thank you, America. And and it bothers me to no end when people say, well, Republicans, that means you're actually for Russia. And a lot of Republicans do fall into the trap of supporting supporting Russia. No, you can just not be a fan of the whole thing, and especially not the way that our betters mm-hmm. have chosen to spend our money regarding it. Just because you're not a fan of a proxy war doesn't mean that you're pro-Putin. And Pence thinking that's where the support is is, mm-hmm. is laughable. It's an embarrassment. It really is. Okay, we've got another phone call. Somebody uh, calling about the dude. Hi, Casey. 
really, it has nothing to do with the topics of the show, but I just wanted to call in because the last couple of days have really been nice. It's been great. You two are the perfect couple. I just knew it. You both give 100%. You just make people feel good the way you guys talked on the, the radio, best friends, and even like you just met. I just love it. I know a lot of my friends loved it. And Rob's going to be too busy anyway from now on. So if you wanted to run for governor, I guarantee you would have a lot of votes. But you guys, you guys made a lot of people feel good the past couple of days. I just wanted you to know that. And we've been listening for years. You guys have a great day. And congratulations, Rob. Yeah. We love you. Oh, that was a nice phone call. Um, okay, so I think what she's referencing is uh, the dude was filling in for a couple of days last week. He's oh, gonna, yeah. He, he's going to be back tomorrow, by the way. Excellent. We, 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 we talked him in one more day working for free, which I know he loves. Um, but she said I should run for governor. Hey, that's, a, that's an endorsement. Oh, hell no. Oh, that's, what? You don't. That's not going to happen. You don't want to go to 800 Lincoln Day dinners in counties that you've never heard of and tell people that you really <laughs> care about what they're going through and then not believe you? What's uh, not to love about that? Could you imagine me and then Micah Beckwith as l- Lieutenant Governor? I can imagine the crying in the streets. That would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, but that was a nice phone call. Okay, somebody called uh, talking about the devaluation of the dollar. Casey, devaluing the U.S. currency, our dollar, is only done by one entity, and that is the federal government. But when it comes to the people, it's called inflation, but it's really devaluing the dollar is what happened by the U.S. government. And it happens when they print too much money, not money, but too much paper, call it it would be like a farmer who has a thousand gallons of milk but wants to have an extra 500 gallons of milk, making 1,500 gallons of milk. So he would dump in 500 gallons of water, and that way he would have more of what he called milk, but it lowers the quality of the milk yeah. by 50%. And that's what we call inflation. And he would say he's inflated the milk, but he's devalued the milk. So it's also how you make your shampoo last a little longer. That add is, some water to it. That is true. I am going to put a little bit of an asterisk because the okay. he, so first of all, he said that the Federal Reserve is the only group that controls inflation. That is not true at all. the The cost of the amount of worth that the U.S. dollar has is based on three things. It is based on how many dollars we have. That covers how much labor and products the United States produce and how we trade with it, as well as the contingency of our national debt in relation to what other countries hold us as a reserve currency status, coupled with last but not least, but yet very, very, very important, how fluid the United States promissory is, so like through our gross domestic product. That means this, the United States has a finite amount of money that represents all of the goods and the land that we have. The goods, the land, and the labor, I guess, if you want to, you want to include that in, because the Deutsche Bank views the U.S. labor is a, is a hold on the dollar. Once those things mess up, say like through a lockdown, the value of the U.S. dollar decreases because there is less labor going on to work for that dollar. 
So as far as the, the, the United States only really having the Federal Reserve controlling the worth of the U.S. dollar, that's not necessarily true. Now, he's right. The Federal Reserve screwed it up by printing around the clock. Here's why printing money around the clock doesn't work. It's not. I don't really like the milk example because I think it can be a lot easier explained in regards to pizza. The U.S. dollar amount, a.k.a. how our entire economy sits, is a big, huge pizza. Now, you can slice that pizza as many times as you want Mm -hmm. into as many slices as you want. That will not give you more pizza. Every time the U.S. prints money, it slices the pizza into more slices and then hands you those slices and tells you, hey, you have more slices of pizza. Therefore, you you have have more more pizza. pizza. But you don't. It's the same it size doesn't, If I cut a slice of yeah. pizza in half, it's I have the same amount of pizza, but fewer slices. And that's what the Federal Reserve does. And by the way, the debt is how fast we are eating the pizza. And then the gross national product is how fast we are making new pizza. Yeah. So that entire balancing act between those three groups, the Federal Reserve doing the cutting, uh, us and other governments doing the eating, and then how fast you, me, and the average industrial worker is doing the making, that's the U.S. dollar. Yeah. Okay, speaking of pizza, how about the ketchup conversation? Heinz came out and said that uh, you're supposed to put your ketchup in the refrigerator. It's been a big debate where you keep your ketchup, and somebody called with a comment about that. Hi there. I just had a uh, thought about your ketchup situation refrigerator are out and the restaurants leave it out all the time but the difference in the refrigerated our ketchup Mm -hmm. we don't use it all day long restaurants use it all day long so they don't have a chance for it to go rot i like your station thank you bye yeah okay so there's some restaurants that keep the ketchup out on the table yep which is totally fine and she's saying that they go through it so quickly that it's not going to go bad that, that's not why. So so the, the problem is that, I mean, it's, it's a good idea. It, it's, it's got a lot of merit to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is that people aren't really figuring out here is that ketchup should be stored in the refrigerator, sure. However, ketchup is not going to be bad if you leave it out for a week. And there's a reason why. Ketchup has two great parts to it. It has sugar, which is the problem with the rotting, and vinegar. Vinegar keeps things from rotting. Vinegar is a preservative as much as it is an acid. And so bacteria does not easily form in a sealed container of ketchup when vinegar is the number one substance in there. Now, the less you have in the bottle, that means Mm -hmm. the more air you have, the more things that are in the air can react with the sugar to spoil it. But that, yeah, you can leave ketchup out longer than other foods because it has a lot of vinegar. Just like in the same way, if you put lemon juice on apple slices, it will keep them from browning. Exactly. Boy, you really are the uh, science teacher, aren't you? Does that make you feel better, Kevin, knowing that you keep your ketchup in the pantry and it's okay? It's going to last longer because now you know it's the vinegar. Yeah, I never really had any doubts about it because, you know, it's it's never gone bad, but that makes a lot of sense. That's the vinegar preserving it. All if right. you just drink vinegar every day, then uh, you'll you'll hate your life. That's another fun fact. <laughs> you'll hate your life. That's scientific. That's proven. Okay, uh, Kevin, we've got, let's do the one last uh, phone call, the, the 10 o'clock one. Hi, Casey. I just heard your comment of it's 10 o'clock. You know where your children are? Hey, seriously, that needs to be done more now than ever before. Mm. Okay, so we were talking last week. Uh, it was it was an article that had to do with Gen Zs, mm-hmm. uh, but we had commented they used to 
air a commercial at 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah. You're probably too young. Do you remember that? I know this commercial. It's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? And they would line up all sorts of stars to come in. And it was like a PSA that would, you know, celebrities would say it. And so he's saying, we need that yeah. now. Is your, is your kid too stupid to come in when the street lights come on? That's why we're having this commercial. Do you care? It's, do it's you more care like, about do you, the children? Do you know where your kids are? So, do you know where they were last night? The, the modern the modern version of that commercial should be, it is now 10 o'clock. Do you know what your kids are browsing on their phones you gave oh, them for no reason? Yeah. Good one. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Really? Do you, do you know what they're looking at as because, they hole up in their bedroom? Because, exactly. Mm-hmm. Why your kid has a device and you know, oh, you're, you're a tablet mom. I'm sure that the YouTube kids playlist is safe. Sure. <clears throat> nope. Not so much? Not at all. Okay, we've got, uh, I think Hammer's going to join us. Is he here today? I think he's here today. We'll, we'll check and make sure. I'm going to have to do my Hammer impression, yeah. aren't I? It's, Great. Uh, it's 1046. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. That's Tony Kennett filling in. It's 93 WIBC. It's 1047. It's the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall still out on paternity leave. Tony Kennett is filling in today and joining us in the studio. The number one rated Jason Hammer from the Hammer and Nigel show. Thank, Thank you. you. So I'm glad to see you in one piece. All my fingers are uh-huh. intact. Yeah. Uh, toes still there. Crank still in place. It was a <laughs> successful night of fireworks at the Hammer House last night, Casey. All right. How'd it go? Because I'm telling you what, I felt like I was in a war zone last night. You know, <laughs> I, you know I live in the city, and we play gunshot or firework. Uh, all the time. Right. But last night. Not just night, in July. Not just in July. That's all the time. <laughs> uh, but last night, uh, smoke everywhere. The bombs were bursting in air. And I'm pretty sure I heard somebody empty a, a, a few magazines last night. Yeah. That's um, that's freedom. That's what mm. that is right there, that's Casey. Right. That's what that is. Yes. And as you know, I am a fireworks aficionado. I love the bombs bursting in air, the mm-hmm. romp- ramparts regular. I love all of it. I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Yeah. And I really hope, and I'm not just saying this for effect, I really, really hope my fireworks woke up Rob's baby. <laughs> I hope they heard my fireworks in Brownsburg, uh-huh. and I hope sweet baby Olivia was just being laid down, and then the sounds of freedom woke her up uh-huh. time after time again. Okay. Just because... Rob put out that video giving everybody a lecture about fireworks. You know what? Hey, Kevin, we've got that. I don't know if you remember where that's at. It was down in the extras, but I, I wanted to play that because I wanted to have the conversation. Um, but what, while Kevin, oh, you've got it. Okay, so this is what uh, Hammer's talking about. Here's Rob Kendall. Look, I don't know who needs to hear this, <laughs> but the 3rd of July is not the 4th of July, and fireworks are for the 4th of July. Doesn't even know he's causing controversy. He's not even here. You know what? Nobody wants a lecture from new dad. <laughs> new dad <laughs> needs to sit the conversations out. Right? You don't get to give a lecture to the seasoned, grizzled veterans mm-hmm. like I am. Do you think that he was just, you know, because he was trying to have the baby sleep? Well, if you listen to the video, the tone of the video. Now, we're going to break this down like it's a Zapruder film. Okay, here. let's do it here. But listen to this again. Kevin, go ahead. Look, I don't know who needs to hear this. Listen how soft his voice is. But the 3rd of July Uh is not the 4th of July. Uh And fireworks are for the 4th of July. And if you watch the video... He's in the dark. He's in the dark. Yeah. It's really close to his face. Uh So that tells me... There's a baby on that lap. 
there's a baby somewhere <laughs> and you don't get to give other dads a lecture when you haven't even been a dad for two weeks yet. You know, also, if you pay attention to the way that the, the voice lilts, it's that very early morning like, hey, guys, I'm really tired, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be unboxing a new th- video today on YouTube. It's that kind of like <laughs> that kind of commentary that he's yeah. provided. And he just sounds done. Like he's just heard a firework right next to his window. Now, was it me next to his window? I, he well, lives I, next to his dad, so it's his dad that's keeping him up. That's, that's really the, funny. That's the that's issue. Really fu- so he's bringing his family issues online? Come on, Kendall. <laughs> My reminder to everybody in the listening audience here is, if you could please keep your dogs and babies quiet today, some of us have been up all night shooting fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm dragging a little bit. I'm a little tired. Know, a little so tired. if you could please keep mm-hmm. your dogs and babies yeah. uh, quiet, some of us right. were also, struggling I, today. I just want to point out, this is why they made Roman candles so if someone is being too obnoxious just fire a couple of roman candles at them you know and then that takes care of it i mean is this not the american ideals if you're too poor for roman candles bottle rockets do they still have that sign at the airport that says you're not allowed to bring fireworks on the plane Mm. so we talked about this on july 3rd when we worked last time and i think there's a comedian i can't remember who it was i think it's nick swartzen who does a great bit of there's a reason that sign exists. Did somebody bring somebody a Roman on candle yeah. on board of an American Airlines flight or something? Somebody did it at one point. Uh, so what do you think? July 3rd fireworks, I think they're okay. Yes. I don't well, know some communities do their fireworks. Like Beach Grove's big mm-hmm. night of fireworks is July 3rd. Everybody right. goes to the park. It's some phenomenal people watching, and uh, that's their night. So, again quiet, in the dark, very melancholy new dad, sit this conversation out. Because you know what you're making me want to do? Tailgate in front of your house next year, and I'm bringing all the good stuff. The artillery shells, the M80s, all the illegal stuff. Okay, so I'm what you said... You said the good stuff, and I know you said you like to you do it up on Fourth of July. You really like to have a good time. What What do you do? Are you doing all of it? The 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 big, you know, bursting flowers in the air. Are you doing the bottle rockets, the Roman oh, candles. No. You just oh, doing we're, the snap we're well pops? past the bottle rocket stage at the Hammer House, okay. Casey. We're what, talking what's, about what's commercial grade, mm-hmm. citywide extravaganza fireworks, where I probably spend way too much money on. But there's also a choreographed show that I do that goes along with it. You're timing out to music? And I bring my DJ gear out. because nice. Let's you know, go. And I've got the soundtrack lined up. We've got James Brown's Living mm-hmm. in America. We've yep. got, you know, Neil Diamond. We've got the whole shebang. And it's awesome. And the kids all bring their friends over. Mm-hmm. And all of them still have their fingers, which is a win. So <laughs> I feel pretty good. I feel like, you know, as a dad, when all the kids can go home without missing a body part, I've had a good good night. You put on a good show. That's are right. you Are you charging admission for the uh, hammer? show no you no. pull out the ipad show. and like you know have them tip you after done like thanks for coming you know here you can just tip 15 20 75 percent jar at them like the bums do here in monument circle absolutely by the well, way on the subject of that i saw abdul post something about this the other day and i can back this up i will fact check it it's true so on july 3rd i was here abdul was here we we're like the only people working in the building yeah um so i walk over to potbelly you know our radio station buildings right here on Monument Circle. Potbelly is about half of a quadrant oh, and away. God bless that potbelly. I it's love so that. Good. It's the only so thing much. open on the circle now. Right yeah. around the corner is the comic book store. So Abdul walked to the comic book store. I walked to Potbelly at different times. He said, I saw seven different homeless people just laying in the street. 
To which I was telling Guy Relford and Chris Hammer, because they were filling in with me that day, too. I was like, I just saw six of them. Mm-hmm. And when I say laying in the street, I mean, it looked like Jonestown. I mean, they're just crawl, right. sprawled out across the sidewalk. You have to walk around hey, hey the now. bodies. Governor Holcomb said, we have more monuments than anyone else other than Washington, D.C. So how about that? And I saw homeless people peeing on said monuments before. So congratulations. Um, but yeah, it's getting bad. And yeah. now they've they've blocked this part of the circle off because this is the gun-free zone area. It's going to be the green area too, right? I'm sorry. I think you said gun-free zone because that's really what Hogsett wants. <laughs> and it's blocked off now. And it's such a pain in the ass if you're trying to get out of downtown having part of the circle blocked mm-hmm. off because it's a great way to navigate to get to the highway wherever you want to go. I think it was... It might have been San Diego, San Francisco. I can't remember. One of the S cities in California. But they're making a safe tent city now. Oh. So you can put up your tent. That's okay for the homeless. But they're making sure that it's now a safe tent city. Are the but safe smoking gonna... kits there with them? The yeah. government-funded crack pipes? Are right. they going to be passed out with these safe communities? But but wait a minute. If, if you know, you have those kind of permanent tent communities, who's going to run all of the traveling county fairs? Well, when you're doing the fentanyl stroll, you know, at least you'll be safe. And which hotel was the lucky recipient of all the homeless people yesterday when the fireworks were going off? Because that's what Hogsett does. He just takes them to some hotel. What do you have coming up today? Oh, wait a minute. I know. Him and me. Both of you as well as uh, Robert Evans III. He's going to be looking for where Joe Hogsett was during the riots. And Haya Rychik, the founder of Libs of TikTok, joins us. Fantastic. Thank you, Hammer. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC.